Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Well, Memphis and Shelby County is a community blessed with great people and a wonderful quality of life. And it's affordable. I recently heard Mayor Strickman say, we have a momentum in Memphis and we're at a time in our history that calls for accelerating that growth. Well, I totally agree with the mayor, but what about jobs and crime and education and the availability of affordable homes and apartments? What is the economic future of Memphis? My special guest today is Jacob Steimer from the Memphis Business Journal. I have a question for Jacob, and we're going to be talking about what's happening downtown, and are we really competitive when it comes to affordable housing? In the second half of the program, we will talk about what you do when you're planning that you know you need to focus on your finances and you have a personal emergency and a physical disaster. Well, it's hurricane season. And if you live in the coast or near the coast, you would have a plan, a strategy for that type of an emergency. But what about a tornado, a fire, or a death of a family member? Well, we're discussing good record keeping and why it is important. My guest is David Rochester in the second half of the program. He is a retirement income certified professional. He is here to get us started on developing a plan. You'll want to take notes, so stay with us. From our Did You Know files, the International Energy Agency and the Department of Energy has provided us with some news recently that you'll find to be interesting. At least I found it to be interesting, especially when you think about it from OPEC. Remember OPEC? Well, the 15 nations that make up 29.8% of the world's daily production of oil as of this past July. That happens to be the lowest total by percentage in almost 29 years. OPEC's generated 39.5% of the world's oil in April of 1998. But here is what is impressive. The U.S. field production of crude oil reached 12.2 million barrels a day for the week ending June 28th. That is the 20th consecutive week producing at least 12 million barrels a day. I'm excited. That's the way the United States ought to take care of oil. Millennials regret taking out as many loans as they did to go to college. Citizens Bank reports that 57% of millennials burdened with student debt returning from their college education or resulting from their college education just say they wish they hadn't borrowed the money. Well, Greg, believe it or not, I'd say the same thing. If I borrowed money, I'd say I wish I hadn't borrowed the money. That's always after the fact. Morningstar Direct says the labor market is at full employment. And as of May the 2019th, the Jew, the South and the Southeast to East, the, the, the area that we're located in, has 2.7 million job openings. 
The Department of Labor says that total number of job openings nationwide, 7.3. Do you want a job? You should be able to find one. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program or podcast on past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, Jacob Steimer with Memphis Business Journal. Question is, is Memphis competitive? And what's happening downtown? He's got some great news. As far as great things happening downtown, you do not want to miss what Jacob's going to tell us. Retirement income certified professional David Rochester, good record keeping, and why it is important. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Securing Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Jacob Steimer or the Memphis Business Journal. The views and opinions expressed are those of Jacob Steimer only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securing Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I'm privileged to have Jacob Simon with me today. He is a reporter with the Memphis Business Journal. We're going to talk about our city, some things that are going on that are positive. As Mayor Strickland says, we're at a point of time where this is a uh, exciting part because this we've got some momentum. And there's a lot of things happening downtown, but I really want to dive into Jacob really reports a lot about real estate and the development. So we're going to find out a lot about what he's thinking and what he's seeing. But I also want to talk a little bit about millennials and, and the Memphis suburbs and things that he's seeing as far as the entire county. So, Jacob, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. Let me ask you this right off the top. Attracting millennials is important for the life of any city. The reality is you don't bring the young people in, the city dies. It just eventually there's an aging process. So attracting millennials, as we all know, we kind of say that as if that's a surprise, but that's just normal. That's the way it should be. So which suburbs have really found the success in attracting that 20 to 34-year-old somewhere in that area in the, in the recent years, just recently? Yeah, so Collierville's done really well. Uh, their growth numbers uh, rival those of Midtown, Downtown. Uh, Olive Branch has done well as well. Uh, Lakeland, Arlington, Germantown, South Haven, those are four that really haven't. Uh, they're struggling to, to attract the young folks. Why is that, do you think? I mean, I mean, you get to look at this. I mean, you're in it every day. I, I don't want the listening audience. So Jacob really spends time in the real estate reporting on real estate and what's happening as far as the development of the city. So what are you finding that that's creating that problem, say in Germantown or mid, not Midtown, but some of the other areas that are just South Haven, those areas are not doing it. Sure. There's a lot to it. Um, you know, one part is housing. If you don't have affordable housing and or apartments for young people to live in, they're not going to come. A lot of people that are 20 to 34 you know, they're not buying $300,000 homes. And so, you know, apartments can be a tricky issue in some of these suburbs, but, you know, they're often key to getting young people there. Another big part is jobs. You know, my, my generation, 2034, like to live near where we work. And, you know, there are jobs in Collierville. There are jobs in downtown and midtown. Not so much in Lakeland and Arlington. And and you talked about Germantown, too. You said that there had been this area when we think about, I live in Lakeland. I, I see all the things going on, especially the Lakeland district and that development that's going out there. We kind of talked about that uh, huge, huge, dis, you know, huge 
project, and we'll yeah. come back and talk about that in a few minutes. But when you say that there's this commute, you're saying that your generation, and I totally understand, is not like my generation who we get in the car and it's a 30 to 45 minute drive and we just say that's just the norm. That's the way it's supposed to be. When we moved from the sub, the urban area, we moved out, that became our the natural. You're saying you don't like that. You don't want that big, long commute. You want to live where you work. And that's what the priority of any city needs to be. Yeah. So, you know, studies show that my generation just doesn't like getting in the car for as long uh, like living near amenities and like living near where we work. And, and I personally, it's the same way. You know, I, I live near downtown, near all those amenities. I do a reverse commute, work sure. in East Memphis, but it's only about a 20-minute drive, and I'm, I like it great. So, yeah, one of the guys that I work with a lot lives down in Midtown, and he says, it's great. I love everybody going that way, and I'm coming out east. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. If you just tune in, my guest is Jacob Steimer. He is a re- the real estate reporter, a reporter for the Memphis Business Journal. And I asked, basically wanted to in, talk with Jacob because there's just a lot going on, and I wanted you, our listeners, to be able to kind of know that. If you don't subscribe to the Memphis Business Journal, you should. It tells you a lot about what's happening in our city on an ongoing basis regularly and it's always a good way of looking at the magnificent things that happen in our city and that's why i wanted to talk with jacob today especially when it comes to development now you talk about jobs really what germantown kind of stopped and said we're going to back away we're not we're going to put this moratorium on apartments Mm -hmm. has that worked for them or or what was the thought there from your standpoint yeah i mean we'll see what the end effects end up being you know there's a lot of residents who you know said hey we don't we don't like this population growth we're worried about it um there seemed to be a lot of anxiety uh over development um you know from the city standpoint and from developer standpoint they say well you know this will bring more taxes and more residents and and all the good things that that population growth tends to bring uh, the moratorium officially expired uh, July 8th, um, but there there was then a, a memo sent out saying that the administration is still going to place a hold on any application to build multifamily housing. Uh, and that's just until the Board of Mayor and Aldermen can meet and figure out what the next step is post-moratorium. From, from your chair, when you think through this and you're reporting on this, I mean, you look at this as being, you said, taxes and you know, this is a problem. You've, you've got to, you're saying to the developer, there's kind of a three-legged stool here. You've got the community, the, the resident. Mm-hmm. You've got the mayor and the board of aldermen, kind of the guys that are supposed to do what that group, that constituency says. Sure. Then you've got the developer that's out there saying, I want, to, I want to do something. I want to be a part of the growth of the city. And yet the three aren't working together. Now, when you think about that, does that really present problems in the future? You said you're going to wait and the judgment's yet to come. But the reality is we don't have growth. There's a tax loss, most in most cases, loss of a business-friendly environment. Yeah, I I think you do worry about losing your reputation as a business-friendly community uh, when you're uh, either telling people, hey, you can't do anything here, or, you know, what's happened to some developers is they've gotten through the process working closely with the city, and then they get to, you know, one of these late in the game Bayer, Board of Mayor and Aldermen meetings, and they, they get turned down. Um, and they've put all this time and effort in, 
Uh, and so I think you risk your reputation with developers when you do stuff like that. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing for the city to deal with going forward. We'll have to see and read that maybe six months as you report on it for us and tell us what's happening. Yeah, uh, you know, been writing about it a lot. Going to have a story on just general suburban um, growth, ger- suburban uh, attempts to atta- attract millennials on July 26th. Uh, okay. well, so I'll be, be sure looking to read for that. That'd be good. That'll be good. What about the Lakeland District? If you've driven down I-40 going east towards Nashville, you see this huge, where the belt small used to be. Now yeah. it's just a you know, big dirt pile and a lot of stuff, a lot of trees being moved and, and preparation for something. What is the something? Yeah, so the Lake District uh, is this massive development that Yehuda Netanel, uh, this California developer, uh, has... Uh, dreamed up and is and is putting into place he's landed a lot of retailers um the first phase is going to have 140,000 square feet of retail alone it's a 42 million dollar phase and then there's also going to be um you know off he's hoping for office space if he can find tenants he's talking multiple hotels um and uh, hundreds of apartments, townhomes, and single-family homes. It's a massive deal. Massive. And, you know, we'll see if you can get it all done. <laughs> it's on the south side. If you're going east, it's on the the right of the road. You just can't. You can't miss it. No. No. We'll have to see if he gets it done. Let's talk a little bit about downtown. Uh, there, downtown and midtown. You mentioned that midtown and downtown were attracting millennials. There's just a lot going on. I was downtown this past Sunday. I went to see Hamilton like a thousand other people did. So did I. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. And so the reality is there's so much going on downtown. There's a lot of hotels all of a sudden. Just that's all you see. What's happening? So many hotels going up. Uh, the pipeline is, you know, about as large as it's ever been in this city. You know, we're talking 2,500 rooms across 16 hotels that are either under construction or have been announced. Now, probably only about half of those become reality uh, when we're getting into announcements, um, but still a uh, huge number for Memphis. Um, and, you know, just this summer, you know, it was announced that the Derman building, which is beautiful, 93-year-old brown brick building, B.B. King and Court, is going to be a hotel. Um, and, you know, we're writing about the Arrive Hotel, which is the old Memphis College of Art building. Um, finishing up, getting close to opening. Do you find that there's this uh, attitude downtown that's a a very strong, positive, this is a place to live, this is a place to be? You said you were in the midtown. You got the medical center downtown. You got St. Jude development. I mean, just cranes everywhere down there with that. Is that just a general attitude that you're seeing that's a very positive, affirming you know, optimistic type of attitude, or, or do you yeah. do you see this competitive? What's going on as far as that's concerned? Yeah, I think people downtown are really excited right now with all the development happening. Um, the apartments that have come online are, as you know, as I said, are they're getting great rents. They're um, they're leasing up. They're um, pretty much all more than ninety percent leased. Um, it's a there's an energy downtown with all with new stuff happening for sure well i know when i look at it and drive around and and you know you got the bluff you got the you know the south part of the city 
uh, the market part. I mean, it's just, again, I feel there's just this sense of urgency that there is so much that is so positive. But I guess in your opinion, if you look back and say, okay, all this is positive, everything's going on, and St. Jude has just been, you know, taking it all. What's the biggest development that's going on? I mean, what's, what do you see today that is just saying, pay attention to this one? Uh, I'll name a couple. Union Rose, the obvious one, uh, with uh, Kevin Adams having announced huge numbers. You know, he's talking across all the phases of like a billion dollar development. First phase, I think he's trying to go even 500 million. Um, and so that would be hundreds of apartments, multiple office buildings, multiple hotels, and really completely change that stretch of union from the ballpark up to, um, you know, the old commercial appeal building. Sure, the old building, yeah. Danny Thomas uh, area. Um, so, I mean, that would be a game changer in a lot of ways. And then the Convention Center Hotel that uh, Lowe's um, is trying to build right there by City Hall would be massive. There's a, some competition. Uh, this other company out of New York also wants to build one for the city, but um, looks like the city is, is leaning Lowe's. Lowe's, yeah. Is, is the Convention Center, though, big enough? to? to are they going to have to come in and completely revamp the Convention Center? I mean, they're doing a, a Major. multi-hundred million dollar yeah, <laughs> re- renovation of the convention center. So they're hoping that it'll uh, bring more business for, you know, a new convention center hotel. Do you think that's going to be enough, though? I mean, I've heard people, I've heard both sides. Oh, we just yeah. kind of halfway did it, you know. What do you think? I mean, from your chair, do you see that it's enough? You know, they had looked at building a brand new one. If, right. if you're, um, But the numbers... I think make a lot more sense when you, you know, if they can get for the, for the price they've proposed, if they can get that convention center looking as pretty as the pictures that they've released. <laughs> I will say the pictures are awesome. <laughs> if they can do that, then I think, I think they're in pretty good shape. So that's going to change the convention market from a tourism standpoint. Does that downtown area, all the hotels, can we attract the need for the hotels? Can we attract the tourism to push us into the area? I mean, you've got, you've talked about, you know, we a little bit about what's happening down in Elvis Presley area, all the things there. I mean, they've got tons going on. They're competing. Uh, you got the competition between whether or not can you have a an auditorium. There. I mean, it's all it's all exciting to hear it going on, but... Do you think that we really can meet the needs for all the hotels? Is that really going to be? I mean, it's a tough question. If we knew that answer, by the way, we'd be developers, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's hard to know if, if all these new hotels will get filled uh, because, you know, even this year when we didn't have a ton of hotels coming online, 2018, uh, the, you know, room rates stag- stagnated. Yeah. We're not seeing that rent growth that we had the last four or five years. Um, so if we're stagnating on not a whole lot of new market, you know, when we're getting all these new rooms, are we going to see rates drop? Um, who knows? You know, maybe we will get the tourists to fill them. Uh, you know, I know hotel developers are really hoping that the convention center sure helps. helps. Um, you know, tourism really more in the... Um, uh, wheelhouse of my colleague Corey Davis. He's, he covers that stuff for us. But uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know. 
it's just one of those things we always look back and have to be just say, you know, it's good to know that there's development going on across our city. But downtown has got a lot going on, and I appreciate what you do from that. Does the Memphis Business Journal have a map where all the major developments are going on? I just It's one of the questions that you sent me that said, ask the question. So I am doing being obedient here. <laughs> that's a great, uh, uh, what do you call that, a plug for MPGA? Well, that's okay. Yeah, you know, I just want to let people know there's an easy way to keep up with everything that's getting built. We there call it are. Crane Watch, uh, but it's not just, you know, developments where a crane's in the air. Sometimes it's just a $5 million renovation. Um, but anything from that to these multi-hundred million dollar developments that we're talking about, you can go to our site right at the top. You can see Crane Watch, colon, get a live look at local development, click on it, see everything that's going on in our that's city. That's good. That's a good thing. I mean, yeah. I think people, you know, when you you talk to someone who's optimistic about our city, you get energized, you get excited. Then if you talk to someone that's negative or pessimistic about our city, you know, you want to cut that Plenty conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to find that person that wants to talk about that another way. And I think having the, the map, I did know that you had the crane watch and I did know it was there. So I wasn't, I just thought sure. it was great yeah. that you put it in the questions. I said, that is absolutely something we need to talk about. Thank you, sir. I appreciate all the things you've shared with us today. A lot going on. And we'll have you back to kind of give us some updates. And next time we come, we might want to talk about really what's happening down in the Elvis Presley area. That's something so many people talking about that. They continue to pull in the tourists on a regular basis. Be happy to. Thanks for the time. Thank you, sir. Well, when we come back, I'm going to dive in with Mr. David Rochester. We're going to find out what happens if you have a tornado. What happens if you have a fire? Do you know where all the records are? If the family member passes away, can you find the important papers? that you need to be able to put your hands on. David's going to tell us how to put that together. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, a couple of years ago, I, my wife and I kind of were having breakfast together, and we got to talking about some important things, and I do this for a living. I'm into keeping records, and I know the finances, and I know the needs, and I've helped many, many people settle the states, and, and it was, bottom line, is this was just a, a second nature for me, but as I was talking to my spouse of 47 years, it dawned on me, she was listening, and I could tell that maybe I was talking in Greek, and she was listening in Latin. It wasn't all communicating. So what I felt like was she said, well, I know you got it all taken care of, but, and so I started asking her questions, just kind of letting her be my client. And I discovered something that I think was important. And I'm glad David Rochester is here today to talk about this because it is so important when it comes to good record keeping, it, it makes it easier when you know you can find those essential documents and especially if it's an emergency like a fire or like a tornado or something, you don't know where they are, you can't put them, or that loved one that says, I wish I knew how to locate the health care directive, maybe it's the financial power of attorney, or just your, just the tax returns from a couple of years back. Well, I am pleased to know that we've got somebody that's going to walk us through some of those very important steps. 
David Rochester, welcome to the program. Sir. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me back. You know, one of the things, David, I, I when I did was talking to Linda, you know, I was going through this process. And so what happened in that whole conversation that we were having, it, it became obvious that I needed to do a better job. She knew that I knew. But if I wasn't there, she knew that where did she go? She kind of had an idea. So I did kind of what you're going to talk about today. I started putting it all into a very organized, categorized book. So about, in fact, just a couple of years ago, I sat down with her and we were going through it. And she was so appreciative and she was so thankful. And at the same time, I could tell I still had to make it just a little different. She is an artist. She is uh, not into the numbers, you know. When she married me, she accused me of being able to squeeze a nickel and make the buffalo sit down, you know. So she said, you're just too tight. You're just. But I knew that I did it second nature. And for her, I needed to continue to work on this. So today, it's very, very organized. I want you to help our listeners and kind of to figure out what you do and why you do it. This is so important for so many people. Let me ask you this question. When do most people really seriously consider, uh, you know, putting together these important documents that they need to do? Jim generally is right after a major catastrophe. I got it. It's uh, going to do it, but, you know, but it takes that. Let's, you know, recent examples would be floods in our area. Germantown had this flood, did a lot of damage. You know, if you had your documents located in a, on a floor where that flood affected it, you could have lost some very important uh, documentation. You may need the rest of your life, and now you can't lay hands on it again. Um, so that, it's typically something major or uh, a death or a disability or a major incident with an accident where the person who knows all the information has it embedded in their head, but nobody else knows where it is. You know, I'm talking to a person here recently that their husband, the husband that was working with the wife, and... The reality, they they had been working together. This person had been diagnosed with dementia. We actually mm. talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And the reality, you could sense that even though we had gone in and began to put things together, put things together, really focusing on that, it the dementia just really took over much faster than we realized. And today, her husband of 49 years is not there. And that really created a problem. I mean, well, I had a client in last week. In fact, I'll see them again soon who takes care of their elderly mom and the client. So their elderly mom's well into her 90s. The client had a stroke. So she, both of them are very concerned about, you know, what if we need this information? So she met with me to say, help me get organized. And quite frankly, that's what led up to our topic today. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's important. You know, very, very seldom, but but often, <laughs> you know, occasionally we get to offer a very special, special guest. Our producer, Greg's got I, a call. I can, I can speak from personal experience on this. I very rarely with some of this stuff have personal experience with it. But that when my grandfather passed away when I was, oh, gosh, see, 13 uh, he had been sick for a number of years and stuff. So he had taken his pension and different things and put it in. He had paid for his funeral, everything, all 100% paid for. We just didn't know where. <laughs> I was the only person in the family that remembered where he said he did it. Because he used to just talk about stuff at random at times. And, and he one time just said to me something about the funeral home in town that where he did it. <laughs> But when he passed away, he had left no no receipts, nothing. And I just one day was like, 
I know where he said he was going to do it. Yeah. And luckily we called the place and they're like, yep, we've got everything right here. Everything's good. To go. But it took like two days for us to figure out where, where, where he did that. a lot of anxiety and right. a lot of stress. Exactly. Because we, we all knew he had paid for it. We just had to figure out where he paid for you it. You know, and Greg, that's one thing we would call a paper trail in the past. Yep. Today, we might call that an electronic trail. And mm-hmm. how many times does the spouse not know how to get in to find out that electronic Jim, in our field, and in most fields today, everything is password protected and user ID. So does do the people that, like in my household, basically, I'm the one that does all of that. Does my wife know where it Know those passwords? No, because they change every thirty days. Well, she called me this morning <laughs> and said, said she, "But but you're exactly right. right." And it's things like that that we all take for granted. I think when Linda and I were going through this, starting with the breakfast time and then working over to about eighteen months of just putting it everything together. But it wasn't just putting it together and handing her a book. It was really the communication, the day in and day out, and helping her understand what this means. I could use the word power of attorney. Well, she knew what that meant. But uh, if I said irrevocable, uh, yeah, I don't know what the word means, but but how big is that? Or what does that say? How does it affect her? Yeah, how does it affect her? So those were important things. So, all right, you said when when do people do it? Bottom line, usually after something's After happened. it's too late many times. So why... Give us the reasons why it's – well, tell you what. Let's take a break. I want to come back. I want to know why do you need to have this so clearly thought out. We just said one. Somebody didn't – you know, her, his grandfather was had done it, just hadn't told anybody. Fortunately, the 13-year-old grandson remembered a conversation. That's amazing, too, it for is. Greg to remember It is. I know, Greg. <laughs> but, hey, we want to know, really, why it's important, why the checklists are important and the instructions are important. So I want you to talk about that okay. when we come back. The listening to, of course, Jim Shoemaker. My guest is David Rochester. We're talking about having the ability to put together records and knowing where they are, record-keeping, financial record-keeping, but not just financial record-keeping. Anything that you want somebody to know about, this is is important. Hey, just your passwords on your computer. Does your family know how to get into your into your computer if you don't make it home tonight? Give me a call if you need some help on that. Stay with us. I'll be back in just a second with David Rochester. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. One important reason that Memphis is the large, prosperous city that it is is because its main urban rival to the north failed. It was called Randolph, just 40 miles upriver from Memphis, and no one in the early 1800s was sure whether Memphis or Randolph would become the dominant city in the region. The first people who moved to Memphis didn't experience attacks from Native Americans, but the city of Memphis was still far removed from the rest of the civilized United States in those days. In fact, Memphis grew so slowly that its original founders didn't make a profit from the money they invested in the city. Although Union troops destroyed Randolph during the Civil War, it was the early expansion of American railroads that really made the difference. Memphis got the railroad line instead of Randolph and subsequently emerged as the larger and more commerce-friendly place for regional farmers to come sell their crops and for those crops to be transported out of Memphis by boat. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. 
This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, my guest is David Rochester. He is a certified financial income specialist and a retirement income specialist. And we're talking about record keeping when it comes to financial records. And we talked about that sometimes we do it after something's happened, a disaster, a family member dies. And that's kind of normal. I think we kind of react when something forces us to react. But, David, when we say the the when we do it, why we need a thought through this checklist and instructions, we kind of, Greg helped us with that because sometimes people just don't do it. Guide us through that, but really very important, the, not only the why, how do we do it? Sure, Jim. Thank you. I'll be happy to do that. So the why is we have a lot of stuff. I mean, most, I'm a hoarder. I mean, my wife calls me that every day. You're hoarding this, you're hoarding that. There's just a lot of stuff. You think about your car titles, your insurance policies, your important legal documents. You mentioned your tax returns recently. Legal documents like your power of attorney that you might, someone might need in the event you can't transact business on your own. So a lot of really important documents are the reason for that, that you need originals of, not just copies. Uh, critical, particularly if we're talking about a, a legal type situation, the how. So the how we record this stuff is you need to have a checklist. I'll give you a couple of personal examples. I've got a, a client that started working with over 20 years ago, and they have something they call a Mack truck book. And the Mack truck book is basically their listing of everything they have. I asked them why they called it that, and they said, in case you get hit by a Mack truck. I thought it was a great example. That's My funny. parents had something that was just, uh, again, pre-computer my mom would take the cardboard back sheet off of a legal pad, and she would write all the details there. Mm-hmm. Now, my case example, similar to Greg's, but a little different is, after their passing, we knew exactly where to go, what to locate, who was to receive what, integrate that with their wills. It was a very, very easy process. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the how. You can record it on a back of a pad as long as everybody knows, knows where it is, or you can do it electronically. Through checklists. I like the thought of the Mack truck book. I, I think I'm going to call mine the bus book. I never have said I've been hit by a Mack truck, but I can say, hey, if you get hit by a yellow bus, there you go. There you go. That's the same thing. All right. So I think that's very well thought through, David. And I know this is something that you're very passionate about to help people go through that. The documents that the family is going to need. Whether it's the Mack truck and that happens, whether it's the tornado and that completely destroys the house and they know how to get all this information. I know we have people that put things electronically. We store them for them. Uh, that's sometimes a way of doing that. Or they can have it on a flash drive and do things like whatever they want to do. They can just sort. It doesn't always have to be a paper trail, but it's best to know if you've got the original, as you said, that you're protecting that original. It's just not sticking in a drawer. Or I think a flash drives, you know, for those who are more technically adept, makes great sense. The key thing you got to remember is if you password protect the flash drive and nobody can get in, you've only partially solved the problem. Exactly. And where do you keep the flash drive in case there's a fire? There you go. So that's important. What information do they actually need to have? What 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 are we talking about? Because my books seem to grow. 
as I work with Linda and seem to get bigger and bigger. And so what what are we talking about there? Let's just start with the essentials, things that absolutely are important. Yeah, so I would say the essential things are going to be uh, things like life insurance policies, titles, uh, perhaps where your deed is recorded, uh, user IDs and passwords. Those need to, you need to at least have a place where they can go be located. This doesn't all necessarily have to be in the same place. It doesn't have to go into one closet, one file, one safe, but a document that lists where they can be located and who are the responsible parties. I think also importantly is a description. So if you have a collection of something, whether it's coins or guns or or uh, whatever, baseball cards, a description of what those look like so they can be easily identified and then where they're located. I think it's very critical. Uh, items like Greg said, where are your final arrangements? So, you know, is it is it at a local funeral home? Do you want services to be done at church? Who do you want to come sing? What do you want them to sing? I'll give you an example. My mom wrote her own obituary. She had her own picture that she wanted to go in the paper. She named her pallbearers, her preachers, her songs she wanted sung. Now, problem is she kept having to scratch out the preachers and the pallbearers because she lived in 92, and she outlived most of them. So that changed. But, you know, it's those documents, by the way, I still have today. Because they're a treasure now. Sure they are. I'm sure they're. So when you talk about information, let me remind everybody, if you'd like to to get this, that's very simple. David, I, I can tell you how to get in touch with David, but you can go to our website, shoemakerfinancial.com, go to his profile, click on there, email him, and he can actually send you a copy of what's called a peace of mind checklist. Peace of mind checklist. He'll send it to you free of charge. It's a PDF. You can then print it off and at that point, you've got something that will help you go through step-by-step list and, and just everything there. It's everything from important contacts to emergency papers, investment documents, you know, all those things that you want to have and where they're located. David, when you talk about location, location is, is critical. You, we, we talked about a flash drive. I talked about a book that I put together for my wife. But where should you keep this this checklist, all these important pieces of paper, everything like that? Where I think it's a great question, Jim, particularly things that we need originals of. Um, a lot of people will put things in their safety deposit box at the bank, which is a great safe place to put them. However, if there were a death uh, your family's going to need those original, the w- original will document, maybe even the power of attorney if, if there was an uh, instant where that's needed. They may not be able to get to a safety deposit box. So generally, I would recommend that ri- very important original documents be kept in a file or a fireproof safe in your home. And then someone you trust outside of your home knows the password or the uh, combination of how to get there. Um, things that you would want to look at keeping there would be uh, originals of your insurance policies, your powers of attorney. Um, uh, again, a location document like the checklist that we've referred, preferably and and the thumb the uh, flash drive you referred to that has all the listing if you do it that way, um, but also a location document where doesn't need to necessarily be kept in a safe where it can be readily found with instructions. You know, I think people forget that this is um, it, 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 you went back to the original thought process when we started. You you go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is that going to do. And I'm going to tell everybody, and you tell a 13-year-old grandson like Greg earlier in the show, and you know you you don't you think you got all it planned out and everything, but if you haven't really communicated it in a very effective way, it's really only just paper. And so not only do you have to communicate it, you do have to have it accessible. And so what you're saying here, where it becomes more or as important 
as the documents themselves. Correct. The where is important is the what. Yeah, because you've got to know exactly what you're trying to do in this process. So if you just tuned in, my guest is David Rochester. We're talking about peace of mind, knowing that you have communicated to your family, to each other, spouse and, and children, what's going on and where everything that's considered an important paper or an important document, record-keeping of those important documents. And how do you go about that? If you'd like to get a copy of this checklist that David's put together, simply just give him, uh, go to our website, shoemakerfinancial.com, click on David's profile. He'll be glad to send it to you. And uh, it's just a very simple, easy way to know what documents are the list of the documents and where they're located, that becomes something that you can pass to your family members and you can help. That'll help you get started. When we come back, David, I want to know the the people, because I feel like sometimes we say, well, can I give it to a non-family member? Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not good. You got to know who to give it to, when you're giving it, why you're giving it. So we're going to kind of summarize all this extremely important information. Record keeping is not something to procrastinate about. Knowing where it is, don't procrastinate about it. This can make a family not have the stress and the worry of where did grandpa, where did dad, where did mom put that important piece of paper. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with David Rochester about a a very, very important subject that a lot of people say they're going to do, but we have a tendency to procrastinate. Kind of what we wanted to do today is kind of nudge you to do this, because whether it's your military records that your spouse knows they're there, they just can't find them, or maybe it's that birth certificate that you thought, I don't know, is that really that important? Well, this is it is important, important information. You, we recommend to you that you make a checklist, just start writing, take an afternoon, take a Sunday morning, a Saturday morning, something, and just start writing down this checklist of all the important documents records and things you own, their location, and, and all the thoughts about that's going that's important, and then begin to put it together. As I said, I was having breakfast with my wife. She began, we began to talk about all this. We were, all this stuff I thought we had together, and I found out that my communication skills, eh, maybe not so good, with her, uh, very good, but I was not doing a good job of saying, well, babe, this is important. That's not, this is great. And I needed to work at it. And this is the important part we're talking about. David has put together a peace of mind checklist. It, it, it talks about what you need. It gives you direction. It tells where the list is. If you want a copy of it, shoemakerfinancial.com. Click on David Rochester's profile. He'll send you a PDF. You then, No obligation on your part, nothing whatsoever. All you need to do, this gives you a checklist to start with. He is not going to contact you unless you want to be contacted. The point is, you need to have some way to put something together. This is an excellent checklist to do that. David, we have covered the uh, the whole thought process. This, this, You've done a great job of helping me put this together in a way. But who do you give these instructions to? Now, I said I gave them to Linda, my spouse. 
I know there's other people that need to have these directions. Who else would you say? Sure. So I would say that not only your spouse, if you have uh, adult children that can be available in the event of an emergency, one of them or maybe all of them need to know uh, that information, where to locate things like maybe a key to your house or your alarm system code. Um, you know, again, where you keep those important documents so they can get to them. If you're out of town and a flood or a tornado happens here, they may be the ones that have to go stand in your place and gather that information. So uh, I think it's very important that your executor, if you have a will, which I believe most everyone should have a will, um, then your executor needs to know where your will is. They need to know their, your executor first. I think that's important to let them, but they need to know where it's located. They're going to need to know, need that original. Your close family members, um, they need to know. I think, uh, you know, we think about, particularly in the event of a death, who's going to need to be contacted? You know, your employer, your your financial planner, your insurance agent, your broker, your attorney, if you have a family attorney, your accountant. Again, we've said your executor. I think it's it's important also, you know, I think back to my family. They made it very clear to us, and I've done so with my family, is where our burial plots are located. We chose to do that in advance. That was one of the, the smoothest processes we went through in, in dealing with my family was the whole burial process. It was very clearly thought out, very uh, clearly written down. Um, so there's a lot of people that need to know, but those that you trust the most and those that know the, know the most about you should be the ones that know your information, where to locate it. And that's just setting down and making sure that you're going through this communication process. Nobody likes to talk about death and dying. That's that's understandable. But you sure don't want your family to be searching around. And in case of a common disaster where two people are killed at the same time, very difficult for neighbors or friends and family, all them trying to find the doctor. Exactly. Exactly. So they're saying broaden your circle. They don't have to know the details. They don't have to know how much life insurance you have or how much money you have in the bank. That's not what we're saying. They just need to know how to access, have the access to those documents. That's exactly it. You know, we used the term paper trail earlier. I think it's important that people know where to start to gather the information and go forward and, and go get it. David, what would you say as a summary for this? What would you try to encourage people to do? Prepare, prepare, prepare. And finally, Communicate, and you've said that. You know, Jim, you've dealt with a fire personally. In October 25th, 2010, our building, where our office is located, burned. But I remember now, and I know you've you've spoken around the country about this, you and our management team had started a preparation plan three years in advance. And the smoothness with which we were able to keep doing business was tremendous. You're a great example. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Peace of mind, a checklist. If you would like a copy of it, go to shoemakerfinancial.com. Click on David's profile. He'll be glad to send that to you at no cost to you. We've been, you've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest, David Rochester. If you'd like to talk to David about what he's been talking about or just about your own personal financial plan that you need, call him at 757-5757. We hope that you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks so much for listening and participating. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program and on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. We much appreciate that. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production Assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance Officer, Tommy Armstrong. 
Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Thank you.